Welcome to episode 98 of Coffee with Mirko. We are going nice and strong towards episode 100. Today we're joined by Todd Sauter and he should be joining us uh, very briefly. Uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for being part of this community. I really appreciate each and one of you. I see you in the comments, I see you in the lives, I see you on the podcast, I see you everywhere. So I really appreciate it. Um, it's been crazy over here. Uh, things have been reopening and I've been really busy. So that's why I haven't been super, super active. But there's a few things that we're working on the behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, today's going to be another great opportunity to talk to another amazing person in the coffee game. And uh, uh, looking forward to it, especially if you guys are interested in frozen, freezing your coffee. Uh, this is one episode you don't want to miss. So we'll send the invite to... Todd, hopefully can tune in soon. And yeah, otherwise, hope you're well. Hope you're doing fantastic. I'm enjoying a beautiful coffee. All the way from, uh, all the way from Germany. So this is Populus and uh, yeah, pretty, pretty delicious. And Todd is in the house, so we're ready to rock and roll. How are you? Good day, mate. Fantastic. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's happening? Oh, look at your your beard game is just next level. <laughs> I know it's always there, but like it's just, just Thanks, man. perfection. Um, oh, wow. Well, first and foremost, uh, thank you for coming, and uh, super good to have you. And uh, how are you? And how's everyone? I know things are better now, but how are you doing? Yeah, well, um, I'm doing really well, actually. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for um, thanks for the invite. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, doing well, like doing a lot better than I was, you know, at the start of the lockdown. That's, that's for sure. It's good. It's good. Um, okay, I got you back. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful sunny day in Melbourne. So mm -hmm. uh, we're very grateful to be able to be out and about. Kinda, and uh, I guess we can just get it all started by asking you, uh, how did you start in coffee? Oh wow, it was, um, it was a long, long, long time ago. Um, I guess when I was about eighteen, nineteen, um, took a took an interest in coffee. Um, Mum and Dad had a coffee machine at home. They're always making coffee. It was just part of the ritual in the morning. I was under the impression everyone had the same ritual at their house, but apparently that wasn't the case. Um, when I was about, yeah, 19, 20, started my first job in coffee, just like this cafe I went to every day. So I'm originally from um, Hobart in Tasmania. And this, this coffee shop I went through probably two or three times a day. I had about two or three strong lattes every day. Um, they just said one day, you know, one day their barista just didn't show up at work for some reason. So it just quite common in hospitality, sometimes people just don't show up at all, which is a bit frustrating, but um, they said, hey, you obviously like coffee, drink, you can help us out. Um, said yes, but had no idea what I was doing, just kind of got into it, had to figure it out as I go, you know, learn as you go. That was kind of the way, the way I got into coffee. 
and then you know all the way up yeah so yeah i guess from there i guess i've got a bit of an obsessive compulsive sort of personality so i love all those little details that are in coffee i feel like every day you're learning something new um, so after working at Cafe for a couple of years, um, working at a few different cafes around Hobart, I got a call from my uncle, and he owned a cafe called um, This Little Piggy. It's in Balaclava. Um, yeah, anyway, I was in, in Balaclava, in Secuta. Um, basically, can you come and help us out this weekend? So we really need someone, need someone I can trust. So I, I think I said yes before I even finished asking the question, can you fly to Melbourne and come make coffee in, in the shop? Flew to Melbourne just for the weekend originally, and I think before before I knew what I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do this full time, work in the cafe, learn how to be a better barista. Um, that was that was 2011. So I've been in Melbourne since 2011. Yeah, no, th thanks for sharing. The, going back to being a bit obsessive, I mean, uh, mm. Gagan just dropped a big question, which I think you you are qualified to answer. It's a big question, but. What's the secret for the best espresso? <laughs> I don't think there's a secret. Um, it's yeah, it's a funny thing. I guess I guess these days I look at the balance, like the you know has balance in the score sheet. That you know acid, sweet, and bitter have those kind of elements work together. Um, my philosophy is now if I don't enjoy drinking the espresso, I wouldn't expect the customer to enjoy it in the cafe. That, that's how I look at it at the moment. But, you know, I guess if it's sweet and do I enjoy drinking it, then I'll be happy to serve that to someone. Um, there's no secret as such. I think it's just, you know, lots of tasting and lots of practice. And I think getting other people's opinion on the coffee that you're drinking is also really helpful. Like sometimes the barista, you can get in that sort of, that tunnel vision, you get the shop blinders going and it's hard to sort of decide, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. But until we get other people's opinion that are experienced or even if they're more experienced than you, that's probably even better. Like ask them, hey, what do you think? Um, but it's one of those things you're constantly learning how to make better coffee. There's, there's no secret as such, though, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's it's unlucky and lucky at the same time. What's one of those things? Like it's so it, it's such a subjective experience often. I mean... Mm. Sort of, you know, if it's if something is super bitter, it's bitter, you know, like it's objectively. Uh, at the same time, in terms of taste and what we enjoy, it's so so diverse, and uh, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty it's a pretty beautiful, unpredictable uh, thing that we do, and uh, I think it's part of the beauty is there. And someone else is asking, how do you measure the caffeine in the coffee beverage? Can you please let me know? Um, I'm not really, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. I'm, I'm not a scientist. Um, I guess in coffee, everyone has a different sort of caffeine threshold, a different sort of caffeine tolerance, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not Hendon or uh, <laughs> Rao or now those guys. Um, yeah, and, 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 you know, so from Tassie to Melbourne, so sort of the, the dream coming true because it's the, Mecca for coffee, and uh, how was how was navigating the scene in Melbourne? Uh, like, what kind of tips, or what did you do in terms of looking for the next job, uh, learning more, looking for uh, not more well, not mentors, but those places where you could around yourself and perfect those, I suppose, skills that you were looking to perfect. Yeah, sure. I I think. 
you know, having having that sort of obsessive sort of tunnel vision sort of approach to, you know, maintaining and getting your foot in the door in Melbourne is actually very difficult. It's a bit of a challenge. But basically any copy book I could get my hands on, if it was a DVD or a course, I would just grab it just go for it. Um, you just need to learn as much as you possibly can. You know, find all the books at the library you possibly can, do your research. Um, I think I've applied at Sedgwick Lab in the city at um, David Jones in the David Jones building. Um, I think I applied there every week and I called the manager who was Lachlan Ward, who was running the shop at the time, 2013 Australian Brewers Cup champion. Um, I think I called him and called him and called him. Eventually he said, okay, mate, please stop calling me. Just come in for a trial. Just please stop hassling me. <laughs> Um, that was how I got my foot in the door, and I wasn't I wasn't particularly good at making coffee back then. I was a little bit, you know, nervous, a bit young at the time, a little bit, you know, unsure of what I was doing. Probably made a, a lot of mistakes, made a lot of bad coffee, but end of the day, you know, that that's the that's the journey, that's part of the experience. You need to learn, you know, learn from your mistakes. And I think I try to make a mental note now. If I make a mistake, okay, don't do that again. That's how you learn. You're able to move forward from that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, persevering and, you know, like it's super, super important, uh, whether it's barista or waitstaff or chefing or I think hospitality is very forgiving in the sense of uh, very rarely we come across, you know, owners or in like if, if they're already in the hospitality business, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, they should be people, people, therefore, you know, they might say no today, but they might say yes in a month, and there's such a high turnover that. But yeah. you ask every single week. I think it's the right way to do it, and you know. Yeah. And I think something that's quite underrated too is, I mean, if you really want a dream job and and you're okay with money, um, like I think it was offering yourself to sort of help around for free as a as a space uh, in certain shops in certain settings. Because I think, for instance. A roasting is one of those things that it's very hard to get a job as a roaster um, unless it, 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 because it's such an investment for the coffee roasters to sort of teach. But if you have something to offer, then whether it is, I don't know, I'm going to do A, B, C, D for free or something, then there is a bit of a bargain there. So I think also thinking outside the box, especially in this day and age of what's happening around the world, I think that could be another little thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the time, Lachlan, my manager, recognised that, you know, this guy is very committed, he's very keen, um, he loves learning, he loves asking questions. Like, you need to be that guy, just really get your foot in the door. And, you know, it's like the Richard, Richard Branson thing. It's like, you just need to say yes when you have that opportunity to come up and figure out how to do it later. It was just that sort of cycle, you know, learn as you go, um, develop those skills, and, you know, that eventually led me to get into competitions, and, you know, that was that step, I think, then. And, and touching just briefly based on competition, what, what was the thought process behind in terms of like, like what was the aha moments I want to give competition a shot? Um, so I think I think one of the baristas or the yeah the next manager in line at the time was Brett Sutton at Sensfield Lab. I think he said to me in 2014, said you should do competitions, be really good for you, be good for your development. Um, I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do that. You kind of have yourself doubting yourself a little bit, which I realise now that was a mistake. Um, you should never doubt yourself or doubt your, your own capabilities. Um, but 2015, I started competing. Um, so I competed in the regionals then. Did okay, just served a coffee that I was really passionate about, which is a 
the Washed Ethiopia Yegashev, I think it's called Cola, I think that was the name of the farm. Um, but yeah, it did okay. Like I placed, placed six in Victoria for my first competition, that was okay. Um, Scores weren't that great for the espresso, but the, the judges could tell I was very passionate about what I was doing. I really loved talking about coffee, so that kind of gives you a bit of encouragement to keep going. Yeah, it's good. And, but it's good that you didn't feel the pressure in because I think sometimes people think that competing is like almost like a requirement or it's, uh, uh, that's what you got to do. But I think it's only if you enjoy and it's, it's the process behind it yeah. uh, and the learning curve of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, that was competitions are the big learning step. So, you know, you can get to a certain point working on bar, you get pretty proficient at making coffee. There are some amazing baristas out there who have never competed and they don't feel the need to. You know, that's okay. That was, just the, that was just the path that my career started to go on and that's why I sort of got into teaching and talking to people more about coffee and about flavour. So you've got to start somewhere, but you know, you eventually you find a place where you enjoy that part of the industry. That's what you keep focusing on. So... Some people might be the gear, yeah. might be the technology. Some people get into roasting. So, oh, you know, everyone's got a different destiny in life. Yeah, yeah it, it, there's so, such a multifaceted industry. It's There's people building multi-sites, shops, uh, people focusing on food as well as coffee, people who just want to have, you know, a, sort of a job. And I think that we're lucky that now, but that's possible to still have a good a good life as a barista full-time i think it's you know it may not be as secure as i don't know one of those but still you know uh, i lived on barista salary for many years and you know i was never in a in a, in a trouble situation so i think it's really great for that's an opportunity in, in this city at least in this uh, country um and i do i do have a question for you though before i forget it because it's a, a beautiful selfish question and it gets us into something that I believe that you're passionate about. So I have some extremely good coffee that was gifted to me by a good friend of mine. Um, I'm thinking of freezing them because it's one of those coffee. You know, it's four mm -hmm. different coffees from that class. But I don't have the freezing tubes. How do you feel about putting a bag in the freezer? Do you mean like just a plastic bag or? Oh, just the actual coffee bag. Yeah, you, you can't I've seen that. I've seen people doing it, but I'm not asking the expert of, of the ice. <laughs> I don't, don't know if I'm an expert. Um, I've been doing it for a few years now, but I think you short term, yes, you could put a bag of coffee into the freezer, provided the the one way valve if that's taped up, that's sealed shut. Yes, you can do it in the short term. So some some days I'm just too busy to freeze some coffee. So what I what I have done is just take the valve shut. Put into the freezer, then you know the next day I might actually seal that or tube that up. Um, so it's individually dosed for later, but yeah, definitely an option. Okay, okay. And now that we stepped into the big into the big field, um, how did you come across freezing? What do you see in freezing? And obviously, you can obviously, you know, to give context, tell everyone, I guess, what you're currently doing, which is uh, very much freezer related. So yeah, at the moment I'm one of the one of the owners of Sub Zero Coffee with Kirk Pearson and Tom Neeson. So we specialise in freezing coffee in a bit like a wine bar kind of experience, but for coffee. So we've got about 40, 50 different coffees on a menu. So the idea is to come in and say, Hey, I like 
uh, I like milk coffee, awesome freaking classic coffee is your sort of flavor profile that you're looking for. You like Ethiopian coffee as a filter, awesome. We can find a coffee that you like, but um, yeah, I guess long long story short, I got into coffee, freezing coffee in 2017. Um, Kirk Pearson, who was a really good friend of mine and my business partner, he saw Matt Lewin competing at the international competition. He was using um, liquid nitrogen to freeze his coffee. And Kirk said to me, he said, oh, we should try that. And I, I thought it was a bad idea. I thought it was just a, a gimmicky thing to kind of do, you know, to stand out. And, you know, in, in competition, some things are done not necessarily that are flavour-related, but maybe just be to prove a point or to get across a certain idea that's related to your topic. But um, Kirk sent me, sent me this espresso. We were working at St. Ali at the time. And he sent me my competition coffee, which is a natural process, Elboro Geisha, like just, just an awesome, incredible coffee. He said that to me and I thought, that's probably one of the best espressos I've ever had. Like, just had that nice texture, had the sweetness, had the flavour clarity. It's like, had everything that's kind of turned up to 11. It was just, just an awesome coffee. Um, and I said, what did you do? He said, oh, well, I vacuum sealed it and I froze it. Oh, that doesn't make sense. No way. There's no way. That's not possible. Uh, he goes, oh, I'll show you. So you've got a frozen dose out of the freezer, throw it into the grinder, your handle, put it into the machine, brew it, and same thing. It was it was the same coffee again, just um, different preparation. Um, couldn't believe it. So since then, I've had this sort of fascination and interest with um, freezing coffee. Which, which it, it, it's quite... It's kind of funny because... You know, freezers have been around for a while. I don't know the specifics of the first freezer ever invented, but, you know, we, we've been putting in the freezer pretty much anything, you know, like even even fruit or vegetables to make vegetable stock or uh, vegetable broth or your smoothies. And it's just like, uh, because the concept obviously is just to, you know, uh, slow down the aging factor, you know, so... We put one of our bodies in the sort of freezers and ice baths, and yet freezing yeah. coffee is still quite very, very young and fresh, which is interesting because, you know, I still have people think that a four weeks old roasted coffee is too old, which I personally actually quite enjoy aged coffee, especially for, for filter. Um, but then we have seen many people dumping coffee because too old when they could have frozen it, which is interesting. Yeah, it makes me a little bit sad people are doing that now. Like, I went to Honduras last year and sort of realised there's so much work that goes into producing high-quality coffee, like hours of picking and hand-sorting. They obviously to process it and make sure it's roasted properly and cut it and sort of check it. It's um, it's almost a miracle that we have this, like, such great coffee available. It's, um, you know, we sort of forget that sometimes. But definitely, if you can freeze it to preserve it, have it, let, have it for later, it's, um, I would much rather do that than see coffee get wasted. It makes me a bit sad now when people are throwing in coffee. Yeah. And, and actually, it's not part of my questions, but I, I thought about it just now. Um, within all your experimenting, um, let's say that today, tomorrow, or today I freeze, you know, my dose of coffee and tomorrow I pull it out. Not tomorrow. I mean, a month time. When I pull it out, how long? Because you obviously at sub zero, you just serve it straight away. But yeah. have you done any testing in terms of, you know, pulling out the freezer, but maybe drinking it two, three, four days later? 
I haven't tried that. I've tried different amounts of time after taking a dose out of the freezer. So I did an experiment with um, the milk-based coffee. So I was thought it was interesting. I've had really good milk-based coffees off an espresso grinder, but with an EK, I have that consistent particle size. It's not quite the same. It doesn't have the same amount of body and sort of that course of particle size. It's a different kind of experience. It's very clean off an EK. So I had this idea, what if you took a frozen dose out, let it sit, and then grind it, what would happen? So I tried, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, and 60 minutes out of the freezer. Um, the 60-minute one obviously had a bit more body and a bit more fruit to it. So I thought, that's, that's an interesting idea. Um, I have also left coffee outside the freezer by mistake overnight and tried the next day, but it was like it, the cells in the coffee were basically dead. It just had no flavour. It was very flat, very hollow kind of tasting. Um, so I think the condensation does have a negative impact on coffee. So any moisture obviously will degrade the quality and the aroma. Um, but if you can, obviously take it from the freezer straight to the grind, you'll get the best results that way. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I mean, obviously you guys have like a little, what do you call it, uh, like a treasure chest or chest box or whatever it's called, uh, because you have some incredibly uh, incredible coffee, um, but yet you can freeze pretty much anything. Yeah. Because uh, I think I think there's a stigma around freezing that you just freeze the good stuff or the expensive stuff. But if you have a lot of coffee because someone gifted it to you and it's, you know, good coffee, normal coffee, you can still freeze it. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there was a time when, when I was at Veneziano and when we were, the cafe was shut for, for a, you know, during the sort of public holiday, um, I had the idea, okay, there's all this coffee we have on the bar, it's going to get old, it's going to sort of pass that ideal time we want to drink it, sort of pass that ideal age. So I thought, okay, we freeze this now and we'll come back when we reopen, the coffee will be fresh. So that was a way of saving, saving that coffee, nothing was thrown out, you're not wasting money, you're not wasting coffee. So from a business perspective and from obviously understanding now what it's like to run a cafe and how expensive and how, how much work it is required. It's actually, you know, it looks easy, but it's actually not that easy. Um, but, yeah, you can freeze any coffee and preserve it for later, you know. You don't have to throw it out. It's good. It's good. I think it's, it's uh, yeah, in terms of the, you know, the, the wastage, I think it's hopeful that we can think in those terms in the future and, uh what, what's been so far the reception? Like, well, you know, your regular Joe or Joanne walks into the shop and how many visits they need until it clicks, until they go, oh, oh. Um, yeah, we've, we've had a few of those today. Even like, like Kirk and I love seeing people who don't understand what great coffee can be and what great coffee, real exceptional coffee can taste like. So... We have done a few experiments. People have asked for just a latte or just a milk-based coffee. We've actually given them something really hectic and really sort of crazy. And that's kind of like they've done the, the head sort of snaps back. It's almost like, I don't know if you've seen Seinfeld, when um, Kramer walks in the room, his head sort of snaps back. It's that kind of that kind of experience. They're like, what is this? And we sort of explain, so, hey, what we did, we actually got that coffee, froze it and put it in the grinder and actually it um, just amplifies the flavour and the texture and the sweetness in the coffee. And they're a bit blown away by it. They don't really know what they're tasting. So that, that part has been really enjoyable. Like, it, it opens up dialogue with customers that don't really understand. There is different types of coffee. There are different varietals. There's different processing methods. 
there's varying degrees of quality. So much like you can get a wine a bottle of wine for ten dollars versus one for fifty dollars, there is different price points to suit different people what you're looking for. Um, but some people, you know, coffee's coffee, that's okay. But for us, obviously, people like you and I and that Sub Zero, it's um, coffee's a, you know a pretty special thing. So taking people on the journey has been been very rewarding. It's good. It's good. I think you know people like yourself and what you guys are doing is uh, it's good because I think at the end of the day it's about doing and trying new things and it's about you know the effort kind of not effort approach in terms of just stuff everything and everyone but sort of like uh, it's bad but it's good like uh, it's one of those things I think that we need more and more uh, pioneers or more and more uh, risk takers uh, rather than just doing uh, copy and paste. Copy and paste is fine uh, because there's, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of pizza shops and, you know, they all do pizza. Like, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of coffee shops who just do coffee and food. But I think it's, it's good to see because then someone else will look at that and they might have an idea out of it. And, uh, it's just about evolution and progression. Um, yeah, something to definitely. think about for sure. Yeah, definitely a lot of coffee um, shops in Melbourne, so it is a bit of a risk to offer something that's different. So, like, our menu was set up, we just do milk, filter, and espresso. But some people still come in and ask for a latte. We say, yeah, no worries. Um, some people don't want to go on the journey, but if people want to, that's, you know, that's where we can have a bit of fun and get to try different things. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um... And I'm not sure if you ever watched this podcast, but now we reached the halfway mark and we got a out of the box question, uh, which okay. is, uh, if you could, uh, who would you like to have dinner with? Wow. Okay. That's an interesting question. It can be anybody, um, coffee or non-coffee related. That's up to you. Hmm. Tough one. Initially, I was going to say um, maybe think Hidden Oriyazaki. Let's have dinner with him. Uh, I think his routine in 2014 at WB, so that was just incredible. Like, you can watch that routine and every time you see something new and something different. Um, I think someone outside of coffee, I think Bruce Lee would be a cool person to have dinner with. Um, the way he could take an idea and turn that into a way of expressing himself and that sort of having a different philosophy about what martial arts could be, I think that's a really inspiring thing. So he's someone that really inspires me, you know, even to this day. Yeah, that'd be cool. Good. Yeah. Good, 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 good options. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and my man Amos is asking, what is your daily choice of coffee? Which it could, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the question is what, what coffee you drink daily. Mm-hmm. I, I drink everything. So I think, you know, I've got to understand what the customer's drinking at the cafe, number one. So I always start the day with a milk milk-based coffee, so I think it's kind of just to wake up and, you know, fire up the, um, you know, the gears. Um, but yeah, definitely starting with milk coffee. It doesn't need to be anything super expensive, as long as it's got a nice balance of milk and espresso. Happy with that. I'll probably follow up with the filter and espresso after that. But yeah, probably drinking two or three coffees a day, but lots of tasting now as well, so I like tasting and spitting stuff out and talking about the balance and if it can tweak the recipe. Like, yeah, it's a constant thing. Good, good. And Gagan is asking, which I'm not sure if I understood the question, does classic brew method give good taste or a modern method? Um, 
If you can be more specific, again, but I'm assuming I'm translating a question my way, I think classic brew method, we probably could think, I guess, your classic, I don't know, grandma, grandpa brewing a mocha pot or some sort of older method versus a modern method maybe could be considered, uh, I mean, it's not really that modern, but I guess the more fancier equipment when it comes to filter or espresso machines, I don't know if that's a question. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I haven't really had any stovetops that I've... haven't had many stovetop coffees that I've particularly enjoyed. I've had friends make a stovetop, but the, the, the quality of bean probably wasn't the best. Um, so I haven't enjoyed those so much. But, you know, you can definitely make... I'm sure you can make good a good coffee on any equipment, provided you've got a good grinder and good coffee, I'm sure. You know, definitely do it. Yeah. Confirm that model machine versus grandpa method. I mean, obviously, obviously, grandpa method is there's different options because you got the big long socks, typical of South America, and then you have Turkish way doing coffee or the Italian way or the Greek way, or there's plenty. But I suppose that, like you said, it's about uh, the coffee first, probably the water second, and then. You know, how how you make it through that recipe, uh, through that method, because it's all about, I mean, at the end of the day, it's coffee and water, and there's a ratio in between, yeah. the, between the two. Exactly. I mean, there's more, but the basics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, good quality, good quality coffee. Um, the water's really important as well. You could have good filtered water. And I think that... Uh, just briefly for you, Gagan, I mean, most older school methods, they have so many cool little gadgets. Like I've seen stovetop filters uh, that are more for specialty coffee. I've seen a whole bunch of different little toys that are not necessarily that expensive just to enhance the experience from older to more modern. So that's kind of also well. interesting. Um, what's, the, what's your – because I know you do it – you do your top 50, but what's been your top three coffee from the freezer these, during the pandemic? All right, let's narrow down the window. Um, so you mean like my personal freezer at home or just, just in general? Oh, from the – well, I'm assuming that your personal freezer is similar. Well, <laughs> well I don't know. <laughs> There's many freezers around. Whichever freezer you pick. Okay, sure. Um I'm a really big fan of the Indigo, Ethiopia Indigo coffee from Honor. Um, that's just an incredible filter coffee experience. So whenever I go back to that, it's like I can find a different flavor in that coffee, but it always has those, you know, those chocolates, like high-quality chocolates, passion fruit, strawberry jam, blueberry, pebble grape. It's just like, just an awesome coffee. Like, I'm a big fan of the Ethiopian coffee, so that's, that's probably my, my number one. Um, um, Ethiopia Jasper, milk Bay that Angus Mack, he made me 20 at 6 out of my mind. So he made me a coffee off the milk cloud. Um, so I'm not sure if you've seen that, but basically it was a device to the texture of milk that didn't give any air. Um, and it was just a very creamy, almost decadent dessert-like coffee experience. That was, that was really awesome. Um, yeah, tough one. There's so many. Um, the Kenya Chenera state, we had a sub-zero for espresso. That was amazing coffee. So a naturally processed. Canyon, French Michigan Canyon, that was a that was incredible coffee. Almost had like 
a started hate quality as an espresso that was down on my mind. Yeah, there's been a few good ones this year. Yeah, you definitely have a a wide range on your menu. Uh, there's no shortage yeah. of options there. Uh, and, and, well, speaking of that, I mean, well, the good part of freezing is that you don't have that much wastage. So in terms of stocking, exactly. I guess that's 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 uh, your one of the pros. Um, but what, how has it been to sort of start a business uh, pre and after pandemic, pre and during pandemic, and uh, such a new concept? Like, what what's been your number one thing that you learned and your number one thing that you like you thought it would have gone this way but it's gone this way what, what are we taking out of that um yes yeah, it's, it's been a massive massive challenge and i think the the first lockdown wasn't that hard because we were kind of in the talking phase of starting this new business and a concept was definitely there so we were doing pop-ups around melbourne just frozen coffee pop-up so we had one at you know at Lama Zocco headquarters, we had one at Abacus on Chapel Street straight out weekend. That was that was incredibly busy. That was a lot of fun. Um, we had one at the Slayer headquarters, and we were going to do one at Cartel, but unfortunately, because of the restrictions, that didn't happen. So we initially opened the cafe, I think, July 10th this year. It was two days two days before we opened, the government announced we couldn't do dine-in coffee, so it was only going to be takeaway. Um, and that was that was a bit bit upsetting, a bit difficult, but you know, just have to carry on sometimes. So I've learned that sometimes you do need to compromise a little bit. You've got to meet people halfway in order to be able to do it. But I mean, ultimately, it's been a lot of hard work, and I think having that motivation to keep going and sort of saying, you know, come on, let's, let's get on with it. We can just make it work. It's um, I mean, I didn't think I was that had that sort of determination in me, but it's amazing what you've been doing. Yeah, thank you. And I think it's many people find that uh, daunting as a start, but then they, you know, it's it's you just take a day at a time. And uh, I mean, no matter how many plans you do, and no matter how many plans you make, sometimes things come their way, and you just have to juggle with them and prioritize and sort of learn uh, what it comes to. With you. I mean, I I don't think there's been any you know, in the past 20 years, any harder time than ever than the past six months to start uh, any kind of businesses unless, I mean, I mean, hang on, unless it's Shopify related, that that's that's so a lot incredible sore, but it, especially for retail. So definitely it's been, it's been, it's been great to see you guys doing what you've been doing. And, and how the adaptability of it, like how quick you guys had to learn and navigate the online world. And you're like, well, Shit, we might have to start selling things online because people can't come to us. How can we go to them? Like, how was that learning process and how was that, you know, the the actual journey of it? Yeah, I guess that was the tough part during the we – had, we had a second lockdown. That was probably the more difficult one because you had to stay home. You couldn't go out and do anything. So that was a little bit – I don't want to say depressing, but it was, it was pretty hard. Um, you know, it's not a nice feeling getting up and not knowing – what you need to do, not having a job, not having a sense of purpose, that was that was a little bit dark, but that's sort of fine. Um, but I think then, you know, we started thinking, okay, if we could get someone to roast the coffee for us, we can have an online store. So if people can't come to us, maybe we can bring bring the coffee to them. So we we did a – so, yeah, Ben Tevi's been roasting Ben Tevi from Genovese Coffee. He's the, I think, 
2018 Australian Roasting Champion, most fourth in the world roasting competition, so he, he knows his stuff. Um, he's roast on like coffee for us, so we had the online store, um, and then we started doing the frozen coffee care packages. So the idea was if you're in a, a hard lockdown for 28 days, you have a coffee, single dose coffee, frozen, each day of the lockdown, 28 days, you've got a dose every single day. So just pull out of the freezer, it was and had the recipe on the bag. It was super, super easy. So surprisingly, people really enjoyed that. That, that sold really well. And this is a nice thing that experience people at home. Um, but yeah, definitely the online thing, that's been a whole new thing we've both had to learn about. So building the website, I've never done that before. Getting all the content on there, making sure, you know, when you purchase something, it does actually work, making sure the address and the shipping is all correct. So it was, yeah, a long, a long learning process. Like, we've never done that before, but sort of have to figure it out as you go. That's that's kind of how we've had to do it. We've got to be fluid in that situation. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because the things that we thought would not be possible mm. a year, two, three, five ago, it's just even the fact that you, for instance, are doing Zoom barista classes and yeah. things like that. I mean, I was... I was actually, during the podcast, I actually thought about it. It hit me. I'm like, well, one day it's going to be virtual reality training. Like, it, like, yeah. like literally, I thought about it. I was like, well, hang on. Like, to reduce wastage or, you know, someone will come up with some incredible piece of software where you're literally, you know, actually making a cup of coffee virtually. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll take longer than a few years. But um, how was that even for you in terms of, like, oh, you know what, I think I can train someone online. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, sort of realising maybe this is the direction the industry is going. So, we're, you know, we're in a difficult, difficult time. You've just got to sort of not look at not look at the situation as a problem but kind of go, okay, it's just an opportunity that we can learn from. Um, so, yeah, I had, I've had a few Zoom classes every week, you know, during the lockdown. I've had more inquiries actually for Zoom classes rather than face-to-face classes. So we realised that, Okay, people internationally could do a class with us, but got that Zoom, you know, it's pretty easy. Anyone can do it, free to download. So having that as a resource has been very, very valuable. Um, and the, the barista at home now, it's not just, you know, someone who works in a cafe does coffee as their job. It's also people who are maybe retired baristas or have moved on the industry and they've gotten other jobs. They still have an interest and still a love of great coffee that is doing it at home. Um, and it's interesting during the first lockdown, like people haven't stopped drinking coffee. Like we're still drinking as much coffee as we normally would. We're just doing it in a very different way now. Or, or even more, actually. Like that was my case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, it's lockdown. I'll have one more. I'll have one at 9 p.m. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you can see that freezer in the, in the background there, but that's like a 55. 55 litre freezer, so I've got about four kilos of coffee sort of stashed away in there, because I was kind of thinking, okay, if we're in lockdown, I need to be prepared, like, you know, this is a serious, serious situation, I've got to be ready, you know, can't run out of coffee. Well, if you have one of those bunkers, you have that, wow, four kilos of frozen coffee, that, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah that's super, there. super valuable freezer. Uh, with lots of goodies in there. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. And, and so this is sort of the outlook. Uh, 
Uh, I believe someone's asking, I believe it's Kirk, but does your beard give you powers? <laughs> um, not sure about powers, but I'm worried, you know, someone asked me the other day if I'd ever shaved my beard, I would say, no, I'd think about it make coffee. If I did that, would it be the same? <laughs> <laughs> it's no, always a requirement in Melbourne to have a beard or tattoos or something, yeah. they say. I think it's like, you know, like when I started getting to coffee in Melbourne, I realised like all the real experience for had beards and tattoos and thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I think it's just, you know, I'm of that generation where that was kind of the, the cool thing to do. It's like you're you're in a non-traditional career, so like you don't, you're not really bound to, you know, wear a college shirt and, you know, wear a tie to work in a different sort of industry, which is, yeah, it's, it's fun. Though. Okay, I got you back. Sorry. I missed the last bit that you said. It froze a little. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. It froze a little. Of course it froze with you. Uh... <laughs> had to freeze yeah. at some stage. Um, sorry, you were saying the last bit that really missed it. I was just saying, I'm, you know, I'm of that generation where the more experienced versus had a long beard or had, had more tattoos. That sort of meant you were more experienced than the, than the other guys. So I think that's just part of the being in a non-traditional industry. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of our look of Sub-Zero as well as Melbourne, mm -hmm. what do you see in the next few, let's keep a month or maybe a year or two uh, in, the, in, the, in the game, especially in Melbourne, but then we can obviously expand that. What, what do you see happening? I could definitely see more people making coffee at home. Like, I would love obviously more people to come to the cafe and enjoy what we're doing, but I'm seeing more and more people asking about freezing coffee at home, making better quality coffee at home. Like, you know, the dream for most people is to have a cafe quality experience, but, you know, to do it in their own homes, that would just be, you know, that would be ideal. Um, so I, I do see a trend in that, you know, the home barista market, that kind of taking off. Um, I think more people getting into freezing. They've had so many questions about freezing coffee over the last few weeks and, a lot of cafes are trying it and have like a, a frozen or reserve coffee offering. I think it's a really cool thing to have. So it, you know, sort of, it creates more conversations with customers and customers getting better quality coffee than they, than they ever had before. So I think it's only going to be a good thing. So we'll talk more about wasting less, but improving flavor, maybe using more coffee, but trying to get, sorry, using less coffee, but trying to get more out of it. I think that might be, might be the way to go. Yep. Yep. Cool. And for yourself, what's your personal uh, coffee mission, and what's what's your next next for you in the next few years? What's you know the big the bigger picture goal? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess I guess this year has sort of reset a lot of plans that I had. So this year I was planning on doing some judging in the barista competitions, but unfortunately that that's been cancelled because of coronavirus. But I'm definitely looking into the future. I'll, you know, definitely be part of Sub-Zero and hopefully be able to take on more students and do more of a training role as well as working in the cafe. I think that would be really cool. Um, really missing face-to-face -face training, so hopefully that's something I can do in the future. Um, definitely want to give competition another crack next year. I think that would be really cool to do. Um, yeah, definitely more, yeah, teaching competition, more tasty coffee, let's play. Nice. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's interesting what you say around seeing more and more people drink coffee at home because that's what uh, Daniel Horbat said on one of the podcasts. He said that in his opinion, 
home brewing is going to be the fourth way up the yeah. fourth wave uh which is i think it's quite i mean obviously it's cheeky in the sense of that it's more playing with words than anything but i really think it's quite accurate because i i you know i've had that anthem for a while and a couple of things but i never brewed nowhere near as much as the last few months because for me it was all about uh, a lot of people interacting with people so for me exactly. coffee was about going out and get what i can have at home which is usually espresso drinks so and you know obviously supporting local uh, businesses was part of you know the, the pleasure out of it and obviously for me my job and what i do is about talking to business owners and the coffee shop owners i've been brewing so much and you know i went from i went from you know the james hoffman recipe uh, to uh, a hybrid version which was a uh, mixed scott rao and james hoffman and sort of make a hybrid of the two and then i started i looked at you know nani plus how they recommend to drink their particular coffees and and then i made sometimes just my own which sometimes it turned out terrible uh, because i thought that would be a good idea and then sorry sorry just you're frozen up there sorry no i think you were making a comment about my terrible coffee I was just saying it's it's all part of the process. I mean, how do you learn how to make better coffee through you know making bad coffee and taking note of that? Then you can learn. You know, it's, all, it's all part of the process. Yeah, and I think no, I think it was Keita who told me that the other day. I think that when you want to make a change, just take one step at a time. You know, so if you think it's grind size and just one bit, then you analyze that. Then second bit, and then maybe once you find that working out and you temperature and then you go board out and you go at all the rest that make of it so it's uh it's been quite interesting i think the thing that has been probably the part that i'm more i mean this is not about me brewing but whilst we're here probably uh water temperature has been interesting um just i've just been finding so many conflicting uh results based on different coffees and different roasting levels um i understand the theory but sometimes the theory just it's actually been you know knocked off by the practice of drinking like oh actually it tastes good hotter or cooler uh so that's the part that gets me the most but you know at the end of the day as long as we enjoy it that's the main part but uh, what what would you say as a last part because i believe that we're uh tagging towards the end um what's your top three recommendations when it comes to someone who just started to brew at home let's talk filter because espresso machine becomes difficult because not many yeah. are lucky enough to have a beautiful you know linear mini produce mm -hmm. right yeah um i think yeah filter brewing at home definitely you know one step at a time if you can get some really good quality filtered water um if you're in australia the coldest water is excellent that always gives me you know really good results at home you don't necessarily need to build your own water or you know if you if you have to definitely resources online that would help you do that depending on what you're after but you just got to remember you know 99 of the brew is in fact water so you've got to have really high quality water don't use tap water please just try to get good quality filtered water um using a good grinder so if you're at home maybe a commandante um you know, Bit, um, bit more fancy 
自己自己開自己，但係咁樣就係可能唔係唔係先 coffee。Um, and I really like using the stag belly kettles. They make really good coffee because because the flow rate is quite slow. It's quite gentle. So the more gentle you can pour the water into the coffee, the more even, the more yeah, more even the coffee extraction will be. So you know, definitely try to yeah, the kettle, the water, and the grinder. Obviously, good quality coffee can make a big difference. Great man. And uh, just uh, whilst we're here, do you obviously offer? Um, Bombarista sort of ABC kind of training as well. Yeah, definitely. So you know, I like to talk to people about you know what do you like, what do you want to learn, what do you want to focus on, sort of go from there. So you know, I could talk about stuff that I like doing, but the students obviously they not may not be interested in that. They want to do what they want to do. So some people want to learn about filter coffee, some people learn about art. You know, that's okay. We're all we're all different. Um, but yeah, definitely working with the student, what do they want to do, and help them achieve that. That's the part that for me really makes it rewarding and makes it fun. It's good, man. And I think look, I, what I love about what you're doing is also the fact that you're, you know, proving the fact that in coffee there is so many little uh, options. Like it's not just one, two. It's like, you know, you 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 training, but also you know you're doing. Frozen coffee, <laughs> um, you know, like you launched a pretty new concept uh, and you brought it to to life. And you're now obviously there's a lot of interesting people looking at you and what you guys are doing. So it's super cool, man. And uh, looking forward to come down to visit San Kilda once I'm I can catch my breath, which will be a while, but it's okay. Um, yeah, man. Um, is there anything left on the table that you like to sort of say? Um, I should just make a point that you know it wasn't my my idea it hasn't just been me on my own. It was that was Kirk's idea, the Sub Zero as as a cafe as a concept. But we've had so many people help us. We've had friends come in, and, you know, help us testing coffee and giving feedback. It hasn't been a one man operation by any means. We've had so many people help us. It's, it's not funny. Um, but that's the great thing about the coffee community. Like everyone loves to talk to each other about how to make better coffee. So you know. It's, you know, it's great. That's that's how it should be. So, you know, there's no secret recipe. There's no, you know, cheat code to make better coffee. It's just, you know, you learn through experience. You learn through talking to other people about flavour. That's that's how we all grow and develop. Yeah, and I, it is such a privilege to be, you know, like to have experienced that myself firsthand. I think it's the community, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, you guys have been been kicking and uh no glad glad that glad that you obviously you know credit the people that need the credit but yeah no it's uh it's part of it it's part of it for sure definitely but yeah man i'm looking forward to come and see you all uh down to st kilda is it co-work me is that right yeah it's co-work me it's 245 st kilda road in st kilda um yeah you can, you can you know, find us on instagram Sub-Zero Coffee. Um, but, yeah, definitely come down and check it out and, you know, have some tasty frozen coffee. Cool. Yeah, I will. And uh, last thing, actually, because you were doing the rounds of all the people behind it, mm -hmm. I'm really loving the – I mean, I'm a big sucker for this, but, like, the, the drawing and the design on the bags. And the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but, uh, um, yeah. Oh, it's uh, really, really cool. I love it. I've been really enjoying every time that you guys have a new design. I'm like, yeah, I like it. So that's that's another part for sure. 
yeah, yeah, Ty's a legend. His, his designs are incredible. So the way he can visually represent what the coffee tastes like, that's that's a really exciting, exciting thing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Thank you so much oh, for popping by, and uh, we'll thanks, we'll see you real soon, man. Really appreciate the chat. Definitely. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks, dude. See you soon, right. man. Talk to you soon. There you have it, guys. Uh, it was such a pleasure talking to Todd. Um, get to see him. Get to have a better understanding of what what's happening in his on this side of the world. And uh, uh, we had Kirk earlier a few months back. I think that frozen coffee is uh, such a new thing that a lot of people have haven't even heard of or start hearing about it. So I think it was a, a pretty interesting interesting sort of chat to have um and obviously if you have any technical questions i'm sure that todd is happy to sort of answer dms or emails or anything uh if you're still here really appreciate each and one of you uh big shout out to morty andre vag uh kirk tanti amos uh yuki and uh, andre uh thank you all i really appreciate you being here hope you're all well the podcast have been a little bit, the live streams have been a little bit not as they used to be as in three a week. It's just been real, real busy. It's just been real, real crazy. There's a lot of things going uh, behind the scenes. Today was episode 98. We're going to have two more. It's going to be 99 and episode 100. Then we're going to close season one. Uh, and then uh, we actually got a pretty interesting uh, concept for season two that I'm working on. Uh, it's going to be not just coffee, first of all, uh, and second, it's going to be something, yeah, very interesting. But before that, before we do the second season, we're going to launch the project I've been working on behind the scenes for a couple of months. Uh, we're going to keep going with what we're doing, and uh, yeah, that's sort of uh, what we are doing. And uh, Amos, thank you for your comment, Andre, thank you. And... Uh, just for the podcast, people can read the comments. Amos just said, you're the best. You're the best bringing out new people to the podcast for us. Thank you. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, episode 100 is going to be very interesting. So watch out for that. So anyway, if you share this as a story, much appreciated. If you listen to this as a podcast, you made it through the end. You can take a screenshot or share it through your Apple podcast or Instagram if you're watching live or your you, you Spotify and uh, just share a tag as like it's all about bringing more people to the community together and uh, that's what we're trying to do here nothing else trying to add value for people stuck at home or people who enjoy this chat so it wouldn't be possible without you all so sending you much love and uh, yeah keep it real last thing I just uh, posted something earlier today um, which was simple reminder which is you matter um, and you do you all special uh, you matter you you unique um, if you're navigating a difficult time it's okay it's not about 2020 uh, it's about it's about life uh, she happens uh, you gotta learn and there's a lot of things going on around you within you election 2020 but, but even before 2020 there was a lot of things going on in the world and uh, it's okay to be in certain spots in life as long as you surround yourself with good people and find a way to navigate that 
think there's still a lot of stigma around mental health. I think that I, I just think it's such a taboo talking about it, but there's amazing therapists out there and you don't need to be super out of it to seek therapy. Very, very stable people get into therapy. It's a neutral, it's a neutral ground where you can talk about things that you wouldn't talk with anybody else's and uh, it's a great way. So if you are in that spot or if you feel like that you're going that spot, uh, maybe grab your phone. There's a lot of hotlines or uh, therapy or a couple of good friends and uh, look, you're loved, you're unique and you're special. Like you, you're a human, like the chances for you to be born a human rather than ant stupidly small so uh, you know uh, we're in this together so anyway i'll maybe have to do podcasts around this topic more but anyway sending you all love and uh